0: Hello, my name is Sarah Rosa Davies, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. This is another episode of Emerald Recommends, and I'm here with a very special guest. Can you introduce yourself?
1: Uh, well, I, I stuttered because I'm not very special. My name's Dana Alston. I wrote at the Emerald for three years, and I graduated last June, and now I'm here amongst college students. It's not that weird. I'm recording a podcast with one of my good friends and, and former colleagues, Sarah Rosa Davies. <laughs> and like she said, we're going to talk about some things that we want to recommend to you, the dear listener.
0: And this specific episode is going to be centered around new releases, because Dana and I have been talking a lot recently about just Vampire Weekend. They came out with new music. Oh, yeah. And there's some other stuff going on, too, in the music world. Bring out the boat shoes. Yeah. (laughs) There's some surprise drops. There's tons of stuff coming out. So I think we're going to split this podcast up. Dana's going to talk a little bit about Vampire Weekend, and I'm going to talk about Better Oblivion Community Center which is a surprise release from Phoebe Bridgers and Connor Oberst. So let's get started. Dana, what's your first choice? So
1: um, I want to talk about Vampire Weekend because they are releasing music for the first time in close to five and a half years. I think November 2013 was the last time their, they dropped an album, and it was their third album. It was Modern Vampires of the City, which I consider like definitely one of the best of the decade, if not beyond that. Very influential on in how I personally ended up listening to music and the kind of bands that I liked. Yeah, it's a really great piece of work. And so a lot of people were wondering where they were going to go from there. And the questions continued to simmer, especially when one of their members named Rostam and his last name is very difficult. We spent about five minutes before this podcast trying to figure out how to pronounce it. The Internet was unhelpful. Regardless, Rostam left the band. Uh, He was sort of their main musical voice or not together sort of a duo with uh, Ezra, who's their main lyricist. And songwriter and singer. And so the question was, what are you going to do when you complete a trilogy of albums that all shared a relatively similar sound and your main musical voice leaves the band? They dropped two singles this week in sort of a compilation slash B-side sort of way. One of them is called Harmony Hall and the other one's called 2021, um, written as you would notate a year.
0: Why don't we start out with Harmony Hall? Yeah, let's do that okay.
1: because it is the first one and it's definitely, you, you listen to it, it's definitely like a, a very poppy, it, it reminds me a lot of early Matt and Kim, actually. That was the first thing that popped up to my head when I listened to it.
0: That's not at all. Okay, my, that's my, funny. But that's that's interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's funny too because we have very different opinions on, on the quality of this song. Um, It's definitely, it's very it feels sun drenched it feels happy it feels like you're welcoming someone back who's been away for a while which is exactly what fans of the band will be doing when they listen to this song and so in a lot of ways it is an appropriate first single there's a lot of interesting vocal work a lot of a lot of interesting lyrical work from here from ezra kenig
0: let's listen to harmony hall by vampire weekend
1: i believe that new year's eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender they don't remember Anger won't survive. Voices won't sing Singers harmonize Till they can't hear anything Thought that I was free From all that questioning But every time a problem is Another one
0: So the first thing I noticed about the song was how Matt and Kim like it is actually. I told you. Those keys remind me so much of Daylight, which we actually listened to in another podcast recently for, I think it was an Emerald Recommends, Mm -hmm. and I can't unhear it now.
1: Yeah, it's in that way, I think that really assists it in recalling Another Time and Place, which I think is what this song is about. You heard at the beginning Or throughout the song really about how anger wants a voice voices want to sing and they'll harmonize until they can't hear anything and about how snakes have invaded a place you thought was dignified that's again lyrical work from Ezra Um, and so I, I think it's about how places you thought you knew a lot about can change and how your perception of places you grew up in can change Harmony Hall is actually a name of a building at Columbia
0: you did your deep research. Yeah, I mean gen-
1: <laughs> Genius is a great website, I just got to say. Okay. Harmony Hall is a name of a building at Columbia University where Vampire Weekend all met and bonded over a love of <laughs> a love of African music and punk, which sort of describes their sound. Oh, yeah. I think it's a fun song about, you know, not so fun subjects and they're able to communicate it in a really interesting way. I can't necessarily get over the matt and kim stuff and i brought up matt and kim partially because they are a band i liked at a very specific time in my life junior year of high school and i have not listened to them since like 2014 and the thing is i like this song because it's cool to have vampire weekend back and making music but i don't think it has a ton of staying power because of the sonics
0: now that you say that, I agree. I think at first I was just focusing on the fact that, yeah, Vampire Weekend is back and it's their sound. But it just it feels like the lyrical content is at at war with like the sound, like the lyrical content is about coming back to this place that you that isn't what it is. And then like the sound is like kind of classic Vampire Weekend, but a little little cheesy.
1: Well, we should talk about the people that they worked yeah. with on this on this particular song. So the the backing vocal that you heard in the pre chorus and some of the chorus is Daniel Haim. Uh Haim is a band that's known a lot for the very percussive driving almost pop dance numbers. The obviously they're a great band. I love Haim. They have a very rhythmic center to their music that I think comes through here. Um they also worked with Rostam on this song, which I found particularly surprising because to me like, Modern Vampires of the of the City, which, again, is their third album, was by far their most experimental, dense, heavy sonics in that album, heavy sounds. And this feels very light and airy.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think about the other stuff Rostam has done since leaving Vampire Weekend. And he's produced Falling Water by Maggie Rogers. He's made his own music. And... I think about the stuff he's done and that's been amazing. Like the stuff he's produced since has been some of the most interesting indie pop music I think to have come out in a long time. Like mm-hmm. this summer at my internship we listened to uh, in in a river I think the song is called and it's one of his more recent solo releases and it was such a fascinating song both structure and production wise. And then he he helped produce this and I it just doesn't it doesn't feel like there's his touch on it. It just feels it doesn't feel as exciting as Vampire Weekend's other music, or as I don't know, as interesting. It just yeah, feels it feels overdone at this point, a little bit.
1: A little bit, you know. I, I mean, it's hard to say that they're doing more of the same because, even, like, those first few seconds when it's just the plucking, you know, acoustic guitars going back and forth and sort of interpolating each other, um, that's very different. I didn't expect that from Vampire Weekend, so it's hard to say that they're just going back and doing what they've done before because I don't think that's true. But I don't think they're pushing themselves or they It doesn't sound like they're, they've are they pushed themselves or their music very much with the song.
0: Yes, exactly. It's like, we're going to do something different, but we're not going to really try at it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can we talk about the second track on the little... Yes,
1: because I actually liked this a lot. I like the second... And it's really a shame because it's only a minute and a half long. But this is 2021 by Vampire Weekend. We should give it a listen. Boy, boy. 2021, we think about me. I could wait, a year, but I shouldn't wait three. Boy, I don't want to be. Boy. 2021, we think about us. Okay, so that was 2021. Uh, Sarah, I kind of want to start with you since I started on the last one. What do you think?
0: I think the song has grown on me a lot. Just even in today, I've listened to it a couple times today, and then in the last couple days, at first I was really turned off by the By the Jenny Lewis sample, the boy. Yeah, that's Jenny
1: Lewis doing the boy um, sound. Obviously, the pitch has been manipulated significantly.
0: Yeah, it felt grating to me for some reason, but it's really grown on me. I also think sometimes with Vampire Weekend, their lyrics are hard to access for me. Mm Mm-hmm. But this time around, I think I'm starting to, like, looking at Genius, for instance, help me. And sometimes I'm the type of person who likes to really understand the lyrics because there's something I can grab onto. But I almost, this last time, grabbed onto the music more.
1: Yeah, and, well, Ezra Koenig is a great lyricist. I think he's kind of proven that throughout the band's career. He's able to He's able to create these very vivid pictures without saying very much or just... Taking a few references here or there to uh, various cultural things, and creating a very this this really imaginative storyline, and he he does this so often. A lot of his songs are told through a narrator other than himself. Um, I think of like Hannah Hunt or Obvious Bicycle from their last release, and those are told by two different imaginary characters. This, I think, is about himself and about the band um, because. I think it's about him worrying whether Vampire Weekend will still be relevant in 2019 or even 2021 after that. You know, it comes down to this line where it's like, I could wait a year, but I shouldn't wait three. I don't want to be. And he's unable to finish that sentence because the boy sample comes in. And I'm going to assume I can't confirm this, but I'm going to assume that Jenny Lewis, who's a great musician in her her own right, was a bit of... an influence on the band. It's like they can't complete their thought because the because one of their inspirations is covering them up and they're worried about how they're going to look.
0: Maybe I'm reading into this a little too much, but while Vampire Weekend was on break, Ezra Koenig and Rashida Jones had their first child, a baby boy, and I think I think about that too, because the song is really about the passing of time. So it can be seen I think either as kind of this passing of time with Vampire Weekend or this passing of time watching his new son grow up.
1: Yeah. And I think the guitar work on this is outstanding too. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me a lot of sort of, and this is true of a lot of their music. It reminds me of Graceland by Paul Simon a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's this very hard edged guitar that sounds very almost mournful yet hopeful at the same time. And when the, Two different guitars are playing and they harmonize what they're playing. It's really, really cool. I liked it a lot.
0: So this Vampire Weekend release was kind of a, like they'd been building up to it for years. But I want to talk about something that completely took me and I think the rest of the music world by surprise. Sure. Uh, this last week, Phoebe Bridgers uh, of Boy Genius and her own music. And then Connor Oberst, uh, who is from Bright Eyes, Despacitos, all these. I think it's Desp- yeah Despacitos. Mm-hmm. Uh, does all these different projects? Uh, they came out with a joint album that they had apparently been working on for a couple of years. I personally think it's a really fascinating album because it sees both of them kind of branching out a little bit musically. I would, I think Phoebe more so. I've been in love with Phoebe Bridgers' music for about the last year, but in early on in high school, I listened to a lot of Bright Eyes, just mm-hmm. a lot of Conor Oberst. I was very depressed. His music. His songwriting is really beautiful and really sad and there's just a lot of stuff that spoke to me when I was in high school and Phoebe Bridgers has kind of been like the Connor Oberst of my college career, I'd say. Sure. And so just finding out, I woke up one morning and was scrolling through Twitter and I saw a Paste article about their album called Better Oblivion Community Center and I knew I was going to like it. And I do like it. It's definitely different than what I thought it would be, but it's fascinating Phoebe sings really differently on the album than her normal kind of like really soft falsetto voice. So I want to start with the song Dylan Thomas. Sure. uh, Which is a track that has some kind of political kind of jabs in it. The lyrics are okay. Like they're these political jabs and they're smart. I don't think they necessarily add anything new to the conversation because it's hard to do that. But I do think musically it's a really interesting track for the two of them. I
1: can't wait to hear it.
0: So let's listen to Dylan Thomas by Better Oblivion Community Center. So
1: I I love that. Um, Is Better Oblivion, is that a reference to anything?
0: I think it's I think I read in an interview that they were talking they're both like fascinated with death in their music and I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of referencing like like death in a way better oblivion community center right
1: I I, I actually like that a lot you know it's and it there's this guitar these guitar chords at the is sort of at the center of the song that are dissonant and then everything else sort of morphs musically and harmonically around it and I, I really liked it and you know, you said the lyrics don't really add anything, and this is the first time hearing the song ever, so I can't really speak to what exactly is going on there. But I appreciated that rhythmically they worked really well.
0: Yeah, I think there's something about like at least the wordplay. I particularly like both of their lyrics separately together. I think they're both amazing lyricists and paired their mus- their lyrics really well with their music. And sonically, their lyrics go well, like, just the sound, pure sound of it. And I think the way they sing these lyrics particularly, like, has this kind of beat to it that goes really well with the guitar. It's also nice to hear Phoebe sing in a way that's not her usual kind of soft voice. Like, right. she's, like, almost, like, projecting a bit. And it's interesting. And I personally find it really interesting to listen to. Like,
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know. It's it. You can sense, at least I can, that it's almost... Even as someone who's not informed or doesn't know these two artists very well, at least like you do, you can sense that it, it it just feels like it's a super group coming together and it feels that way. There's like this duo of really good songwriters and they're bringing the best out of each other. I really enjoyed it.
0: It's funny because Phoebe just finished touring for Boy Genius, her group with Julian Baker and Lucy Davis. Right, right, which is great. Which is like a supergroup that's amazing in its own right. Do you think she's out, just
1: migrating between supergroups?
0: No, I don't think so because I definitely know she's at work on other stuff. I think she's riding this wave of like critical acclaim from her album Stranger in the Alps and then the Boy Genius album. Mm-hmm. But apparently, she's been working with Connor Oberst on this album for like a couple of years now. Like when you first heard about yeah, her. it was
1: recorded in L.A. in mid to late 2018.
0: Yeah. So, but they'd been writing the songs right, I think, for a yeah. bit. There's some funny stories I read about them about them writing the songs together so Uh this next song i want to talk about is actually i think one of the ones i heard a story about how phoebe was writing a song or something and connor came in and he was on shrooms or something and (laughs) she was trying to find a lyric and he just goes chesapeake or something and this song is called chesapeake
1: every Uh, album needs a good mushroom story yeah
0: And I'm not surprised that Connor Oberst like came in and suddenly was like, "Oh, this works," because apparently they have very different songwriting processes. Let's listen to Chesapeake by Better Oblivion Community Center.
1: Shoulders, so I could see. I was all covered in sound, earplugs so it wasn't loud. Swallowed up by the crowd, didn't know what they were singing. About.
0: The song is very much up their alley, both of them Mm -hmm. as artists. The kind of quiet—I mean, Bright Eyes has some distorted stuff, but I think everyone's touch point for Bright Eyes is a First Day of My Life. So yeah,
1: I that would be true for me. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that less. It's less sonically adventurous than the other one. And as someone who's just now listening to this, I, I have to say it didn't grab me as much as the first one but that does not mean it is bad.
0: Exactly. It's one of the kind of songs on the album. There are a couple other ones that have some more interesting musical kind of musical adventures for them. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to play Chesapeake because it it is very much of their wheelhouse. And
1: do you think the album, well, the album was a surprise release. So have you, Listen to the whole thing?
0: I have once or twice all the way through. I've listened to more. I've kind of noticed what songs I've liked in those listens, and I've kind of just started the album at that song or something. But Dylan Thomas is definitely my favorite song on the album.
1: Would you say that that song is more indicative of the whole album and its sound, or would you say that the one you just played, that Chesapeake is more?
0: I would say Dylan Thomas's, which is interesting for them because I – it's definitely the album's definitely more adventurous uh and not as quiet as their mm-hmm. their other music.
1: Right. But it's got a few be- good ballads in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a f- that's a good way to put it. There's kind of the- there's like a song with like some si- kind of psychedelic influences. There's some rockier sounds which often you don't hear from Phoebe. It, right. Like in Motion Sickness, I think there is that rolling king guitar, but it's it's often her stuff is very sad and very quiet and there is some mm-hmm. hope to it, but it's very quiet and you definitely have to strain to hear her in concert. sure. But I'd imagine these two together would be pretty interesting to see live.
1: Yeah, and quickly, before we go, I got an answer on the origin of the name of the album, and apparently it's a loose concept album about a fictional dystopian wellness facility.
0: That also works.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is just, now that I think about that, I just am like, oh god... <laughs>
1: Well, you know, loose concept albums. Yeah.
0: I think that's all for this podcast. Yeah. Thank you for joining me, Dana. Thank you
1: for having me on. It feels good to be back in the booth.
0: Good. If you want to listen to more Emerald podcasts, you can do so at the Daily Emerald homepage or on SoundCloud or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.